All right, all right. Well, good evening, everyone, and welcome to tonight's episode of Hey Sister. Hey, sister, how you doing over there? I'm doing good. I'm a little sleepy, but I'm doing good. Okay, okay. Well, and we are so excited to have our guests with us um, this evening, Max and we call you Angie, but we'll yeah. say Andrea. Okay. <laughs> hey, y'all. Hey. What's up? Hey, y'all. Hey. <laughs> we are so excited to have y'all with us tonight. Um, so if you are tuning in and you're watching us in the live broadcast, make sure you like, follow, share, subscribe, tell someone, hey, tune in to Hey Sister every now and then. And also join the conversation in the comments. We have some great guests tonight. We have some great questions for them, but I know that you have some questions too. So that's where you get to ask your questions and have your questions answered. Let's see. We got a few people tuning in. Hey, hello. We got some folks tuning in this evening. So hi, everybody. Hi. Hello, how you guys doing out there? Yeah, so we're super excited, as we said, to have um, have you both um, with us this evening. So we're going to do your formal introduction in a moment, but we want to start in typical Hey Sister fashion with a couple of hot topics, and we want to get your take as well as my sister's take. So hot topics this evening, we're only going to talk about a couple things, because the world has been whirling out there. I don't know how y'all feel about it. <laughs> but the January 6th committee hearings premiered in primetime television last week. Um, there is a schedule of, 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 of broadcasts that it will be um, showing. Um, so I want to know, what did you all think about the hearing on last Thursday, if you tuned in? Oh, I could start. Well, I, I think personally, like, I think what we saw, especially with uh, when Cheney spoke, it's kind of like a, a reaffirmation for whatever we are already with. We're thinking or we're reading what when um, January 6th events were happening live, right? Mm -hmm. So, um, if you, you when you think about like the election results and the way you kind of saw Trump and you know his his his, his followers or his subordinates leaning in this way of putting spewing out these lies about the election results and, you know, how it's wrong and, you know, fighting for democracy and kind of putting those like those those dog whistles out there to kind of get the base riled up. And I think the people on the fringes of, of, of his support network um, just took their anger and frustrations out. And he didn't shield that in any way when it was that day. But I think what we what we really came to see is that, you know, some of the things it's just like, how does this happen in America? Right. And it happens in America because when you get to that level, there are there was supposed to be a phone call that was made, mm -hmm. and that phone call was never made by the commander in chief. Mm -hmm. And what you saw was basically, you know, her admitting on live television what we all thought, like, oh, you you want you encourage this kind of behavior, mm -hmm. but you also see the forgiveness that these people have for each other. Mm -hmm. And so on on his side or people who support Trump that entire side they're like oh you know let's just sweep it on the, under the rug it's it's a, it was a moment in time let's just move on and we find that like at least i find find it in in my workspace that like i don't want to say fair fairness mm -hmm. but there are inequities in just what's fair mm -hmm. because somebody who is a trump who can who can galvanize people and people could follow him right when they do things, when they make mistakes, there's always like a floor where they'll they'll never you know go be go below, no matter how egregious you know the the mistake is. But if we're people, then we look like me and you. If we make those same mistakes or we we do those things, there's no floor, there's no bottom, mm -hmm. right? You're you're not only out of here, you on the street, you know. You they throw you know they throw you in jail for thirty years. For eight lifetimes, you know, and just, you know, banish you, yeah. you know, but somebody like him, we can be watching the same thing. And certain people are like, oh, this is old news. It doesn't matter. Oh, it's just made up stories. No, this is factual. And this is a woman who is part of his party. And when I, when I say a woman, I mean Cheney, where mm -hmm. she's just mentioning like, oh, things that happened. Like he didn't even make the call to get the people there to protect 
the, the, the foundation of the fabric of democracy. It was actually uh, Pence who actually made the call, and that should have never happened. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, deep. Okay, come on with it. Come on with that hot take. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sister, what do you say? All right, so about the hearings themselves, I honestly, uh, I didn't get to see all of it because um, I was out of town um, working and I had some dinners that night. But I, I think my feeling immediately was, so what, what are we gonna know differently in this primetime coverage that we didn't see for ourselves in real mm -hmm. time? And granted, there were some things that were, I, I would say, the, the documentary filmmakers speaking and showing footage of meetings before January 6th on January 5th between the Proud Boys and these other fringe groups. I don't know all their names. There's so many of them. But so we see that there was something very deliberate, right, that took place. So the idea that it just got out of control or that it was really Black Lives Matter and Antifa that was there. <laughs> you know, those kind of things, yeah. it's clear that that's not true. But beyond that, what did we really hear that we hadn't already seen with our own eyes? And for me, it's, and then what will change anything? Because what I've witnessed over the last few years is the gaslighting is real. We Ooh. all sat and watched and the folks said, that ain't even how it happened. <laughs> and they literally were just like, mm -mm. Yeah. girl, that was a regular day at the Capitol. You know right. And I'm like, what? I've been so, to the Capitol on a regular day. It didn't right. look like that. Right. Wow. So that, wow. that's wow. the part, part I just, I don't know what, what really comes of it. And again, I was at a conference. I was in Nevada. I live here in Arizona. And the campaign ads right now are just so, when I tell you they're so ridiculous, they are so ridiculous. Yeah. But you would think people would be like, oh, let me maybe distance myself from Trump. No, they are like they digging up. the heels. Mm -hmm. Right. They're digging their heels in like, yes, a true Trump conservative. And I'm like, Patriot. Right. I mean, guns, they pulling out guns in the in the campaign ads. And I just wonder what if, if, if this if January 6th didn't make you want to step away from him, then there is nothing that's yep. going to make you want to step away from him. That's how I feel. Maybe. Yeah. I'm well, I think, you know, there's more to come. There were new revelations. So um, what you think about the Justice Department, all the lawyers saying they're going to resign? I don't know. I just felt they was whining because I was I was too busy trying to deal all, do all these pardons. What pardons were you trying to do already? Like, what? <laughs> you know? That, that was some revelations. I think there's more to come. Um, I put in the comments the schedule and what that schedule does show is what they um, what the aim is for each of those nights that they broadcast. So we shall see. Now, yeah. So um, since you talked about guns, um, what was very interesting in the January 6th and some of that video footage, hey, those legal gun owners knew they couldn't bring those guns into D.C., so they stashed them in um, hotels all around Virginia because they have different gun laws state by state, right, and a jurisdiction by jurisdiction. Well, there's a bipartisan Senate group that is working on a framework on gun safety. They've completed a framework on gun safety. Um, by the look on your face, sister, you like, I don't, I don't know. What. <laughs> because you got to complete a framework. I mean, how hard is this? Yeah. Angie, Max, your doctors. Let me ask you, do you have to have a license to practice in your respective fields? Absolutely. Okay. If you do something and you hurt or harm someone, can you be sued for doing hurt or harm to somebody? Lose your license. Yeah. You can lose your license. You know, you have to in, um, pay a lot of money in insurance to keep malpractice. malpractice insurance. Right. So I'm just like, what we need a framework for? What are you talking about? If Stop allowing everybody and their mama to buy a gun. It listen, the the number of people who I've seen who have had cases of child like neglect and their children are dying, like just like everybody shouldn't be a parent, everybody right. shouldn't be a gun owner. Yeah. Some of this stuff isn't that hard. So I mean, if if they have have to spend money and time developing a framework, sure. But I feel like We've outlined 
some very simple things, some common sense practices for a while? Well, I think the more common sense it becomes, the more outrageous the opposition becomes. So the more common sense gun reform laws that are suggested that they know people may actually say, okay, well, we can concede to that. The more they're like, they just want to take away everything, all your guns. And I've never ceased to be amazed by that's always the retort. And I'm like, when people say gun reform, you know, it means, you know, stricter background checks or checks at all. Because <laughs> some states don't even have that and they're loosening it up even more like in Texas. But, you know, it's just it's flowing to me because that's just the main take all or nothing. And that's not what we're saying, because we know it's, it's it'll never happen that way. This is America. Mm-hmm. We're founded on guns. And I don't ever in any of the stretch of my imagination think we will never be able to we would ever be able to take away guns. But I do feel like it's common sense to just want some gun reform. If you feel like someone has to be 21 <clears throat> to drink, be a certain age to get lottery tickets, you have to wear seat belts. Like you, you, you don't have complete lawlessness. So why does lawlessness have to apply to guns? That's to me, that's, that's what floors me. And I, I, I I don't get it. <laughs> it's, it's very discouraging because it's like, and, and you all still live in our home state. And um, so Steve Scalise uh, planes <laughs> apparently are just as dangerous as guns. Um, and feral pigs by Cassidy. Yeah. Oh, I forgot. How many pigs have you all shot this year? <laughs> I'm looking. <laughs> all well, see, all the feral well, pigs. See, I, I just think, like, this is the thing. I, I just think something that's just common sense, and I, I haven't heard one good retort for it, is, like, what is the need for semi-automatic or automatic rifles from regular citizens? Yeah, I mean, they don't just, ever. Nobody ever. Like, I haven't heard one good reason why the public it was feral pigs that's it was feral pigs it was the prairie dogs it was i probably alligators here um you know it depends on what state you in what wildlife you have to shoot but that tells me you're not a good shot if you have to have a semi-automatic weapon to do that um but i do know this from 94 to 2004 assault weapons were banned i even talked about this today that even even in our rap lyrics so early 90s they were talking about having AKs because you could have an AK Mm -hmm. all right that went away Mm -hmm. the guns of choice were Glocks this that and the other because people had handguns right even in the music that we listen to so Mm -hmm. what I do know for sure is that if you want to eliminate certain types of weapons from the everyday Mm -hmm. citizen you can and it has an (laughs) impact and it has cultural resonance yes so Anyway, well, thank y'all for t- thank y'all for yeah. being so animated and involved. I love my people getting to the hot topics. So, um, Dr. Max, Dr. Andrea, Matt here. Make sure I'm yeah. saying that correct. Yeah. Um. So you are. You know, I got to shout it out, sister. So you both are alums of the Xavier University of Louisiana. Yes. <laughs> so, um. Thank you all for being here, but I want you to kind of introduce yourselves, tell folks who you are and and tell us about your love story. Okay. Huh? Okay. Well, um, I am Andrea and I am, we met at Xavier and um, that's where I got my undergrad. Um, I was a biology pre-made major there. Um, I graduated in 2003 and then went to chiropractic school in Atlanta at Life University. And, um, you know, we've been consistently together the whole time throughout that whole period uh, without getting too deep in that part. Um, so did you look across the yard and were like, ooh, he cute. Or were y'all in the summer program together and were like, ooh, he cute. What, what happened? Come no, on, guys. Okay, okay. So y'all want the TT. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so we, I met him during spring break. So I was um, the spring break of my freshman year. Um, and he was a sophomore because he's one year older than me. And um, it was in Daytona, 
Daytona, Florida. <laughs> and um, it was ironic because uh, I was with a group of my girls and he was with his brother and his boys. His brother is also Xavier uh, alumnus as well. And um, we kind of saw both saw each other and was like, mm, okay, whatever. And then eventually we all started mingling and talking. And I asked him what school he went to. And he said, Xavier. And I was like, oh, okay. Basically like thinking the one in Ohio, and, you know, because. I ain't seen you on campus, boy. Yeah. <laughs> and, she, uh, she knew what was up. Oh, whatever. And, <laughs> and so then, then, so then we, you know, we wind up exchanging numbers. Um, but we really, we didn't even exchange numbers because it was a time where we didn't, everybody didn't have yeah, cell, cell phones. phones. Yeah, we didn't have cell phones. Yeah. So we, neither one of us had our cell phone on. I had a cell phone. He, I don't even think you had a cell phone. I didn't have a cell phone. No. And uh, we was like, you know what? We're going to see you on campus. Xavier's small enough that I'm sure you will run into each other and we'll get our information there. And that was it. So we both went back to school that spring. We didn't see each other at all. And then when uh, the fall of my sophomore year, his junior year, the first day of school, or was that Friday? That was the first week, it wasn't really the first. Yeah, that Friday of the first week of school. Cause I remember it being the weekend right after that. Saw him on the yard, first thing, like one of the, you know, first people I saw in the yard, and I was like, and I and I approached him then, and I was like, Daytona. <laughs> he was like, yeah, and and that's how we kind of hit it off. I mean, we he, we didn't exchange numbers at that point either, so I'm like, God, dog, he must have a, you know, a girlfriend, a boo thing, or a something, situation, yeah, situation, a situationship. <laughs> but I was so impressed, and I was like, yeah, it's something going on, and so. When I left school campus at the end of the day, I stopped at, what was it, Rite Aid? That was yeah. on Carrollton, like right across the street. Cause he stayed in the apartments right across the street from Xavier, Carrollton Park or wherever. And- Hey, um, go Carrollton Park is in the house. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so I stopped in to get some stuff from the store. And as I'm in the checkout line, he walks in. So I'm like, I, I went to not, ever seen you to like now twice in one day. So I was like, hey, he's like, hey, whatever. He still didn't say anything. So I'm like, all right, whatever. I go to my car, but something in me was like, all right. So maybe I'm not letting him know I'm into him because I'm being playing it cool too. So I stayed by my car. I gave him one more shot. So I stayed by my car, acting like I'm getting something out, cleaning it out, do something. <laughs> and then, um he passed again and then that's when he asked me for my number and i was like okay about time because you <laughs> so what what's up bro what was what's what's up what was the hold up no it wasn't no hold up you know i just I, like first of all what was the thing that she forgot to leave out is number one she knew when we met each other in daytona she knew who i was like I she tried to play she tried to play around she tried to play games but she knew exactly who i was because i knew her best friend already and so and when I was when we when I was in Daytona with my friends, like we were walking, so I didn't even see her. And she was like, they were kind of hanging on the side, and she saw me and my friends. And if she didn't know me, her friends must have saw me. So they were like, oh, there goes Max, you know. I didn't even so know she your was name like, at the time. No, but she was like, so she shouted me out. She, <laughs> saw, she was like, hey Xavier, right? Mm -hmm. So that lets you know right there, like you knew, like you knew what was up. Anyway, I had never met him. I didn't know. His no, name. we 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 didn't. Meet. Okay. So. <laughs> Um, so then the, um, that day, no, what happened was when I saw her, um, in the store, you know, how, like you just getting back to school and like you talking to people. So when we saw each other on campus, like, you know, you, you know how it is on campus first week, everybody's kind of chatting and mingling. So I saw her, but I didn't like completely stop my life. Cause you know, you're catching up with people you hadn't seen over the summer. And then, but when I saw her in the store, what she didn't tell you is that she was in there for a reason. And that reason was she was making a purchase for something private, right? And I, I don't, I mean, I can I say it? Okay, she was purchasing sanitary napkins. Oh so she was kind God. of embarrassed, right? So she was kind of embarrassed and I saw it and I was like, yo, this is like really weird if I try to like pull up and talk to her, <laughs> sanitary napkins in her hand. So, so, okay. so yeah, Sam, sorry. Um, so, so, so then I was like, all right, she's probably just gonna like, you know, go about her business I'll catch on another day. And so, when I walked out the store, I was probably, you know, I had to go purchase something myself. So when I seen her, 
that's when we started talking. I was like, all right, so she's there. And, you know, it, you know, I was just trying to be smooth. So I was just trying to play it cool. So <laughs> I absolutely thank you for the candor and the transparency yeah. Yeah. And, and, yeah. And, and keeping it 100 percent real because y'all it was Friday. It was on the yard. Usually yeah. when you come back, there's usually a yard show. Some other things yeah. happening. Fish is crying. Whole day, yeah. hey, lots of things was happening on that Friday. <laughs> but, but and the girl is that girl from Thibodeau, though. So, yeah, yeah. He, he gotta recognize. Don't play. Don't play. <laughs> <laughs> One more chance, cause you know. <laughs> and then you know we went on our first date. Was that the next night on the Saturday night? Yeah. Well, we went on a date that next night, and I fell asleep and almost didn't miss the date. And, you know, so he kind of had attitude because me and my friend was there. You know, we was having girl talk. We had a little bottle of wine. I wasn't used to drinking at all, really. So I passed out on the bed. He was done. And he was calling me because we were supposed to meet up. And I did. He was like, look, if you got something going on, just let me know. Whatever. I was like, no, I swear. I fell asleep. I legitimately fell asleep. But then I met him. And then we had the best day. We just talked the whole time. I mean, I'm talking for hours until we both was like head swinging, going to sleep. And it was like we had been friends for like ever. It was just a certain amount of comfort that we had with each other. And mm -hmm. pretty much we went together ever since. Okay. <laughs> like, all, together right. Now. <laughs> all right. Well, um, how long have you all been married now? Twelve years. Twelve years. Well, come on for the black love. Yes. Come on for the black love. So one of the things I had titled this a millennial power couple, because both of you are millennials. Um, you're on the older end of the millennial spectrum because um, yeah. you're 40 and 41. Yeah. But Angie, you said in our pre-show prep, you're like, I don't, I don't really feel that power couple thing. Tell us why. Well, when you think of power couple, you think of almost in a way of perfection or having things completely together. Um, and our experience with marriage is just a constant evolution of change and growing and learning. And when you're in that constant state, you don't ever feel like you always have it all together. And so you don't feel for me and for him too, having that title of power couple, I don't want it to mislead people into thinking that, you know, we have it all together at all times. You know, we have three kids um, and their ages are uh, five, seven, and 10. And it's a lot of work. And then with our careers, him being, you know, anesthesiologist, I'm being a chiropractor and I'm an entrepreneur, you know, it's a lot of work. It's a lot of moving parts and it's figuring things out day by day. And then you have periods of time where you feel like, okay, I got this. It's figured out this something like you on your butt and you realize, all right, let's start over and try to figure this new phase out. Um, so power couple to me, especially in the age of social media, I just don't want it to, I, don't, I shy away from it because I don't like it to mislead people into thinking that about marriage. Because marriage in general, I, one thing I've learned too is okay to be transparent because everyone, no, nobody, no marriage is perfect. I don't care what anybody says. I don't care how much they smile and present a good face and show whatever they show on social media everybody has their stuff and I just want people to take that away um, coming from someone who we've been together 20 uh, 22 years this September um, but like I said almost 13 in September married um, you know it's 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 is a constant work in progress so mm -hmm. yes you know I love my marriage I love my family. I'm extremely grateful for it. I sit in gratitude almost daily and I look around me and I say, wow, I love my life. I never, you know, even dreamed of the life that I have now, you know, and when I say dream, I'm just very, I'm, I'm very comfortable. I'm very blessed. My kids are thriving. They're blessed. My husband and I both have our health. Our kids have all of their health. You know, we're never having to think about you know, food on the table and things like that. To me, that's a blessing in itself. So I always sit in gratitude with that. And then anything else above that is just lanyard. And for me, you know, I just want other couples or people in a relationship just know that, you know, when you're in something, you're, you're always going to have to work towards it. You're always going to 
have to, um, you know, fight for it. You're always going to have to put in some work, both both parties. Because if someone, one person's putting in work and others not, that's not going to work either. But both parties equally working. And then, you know, you can get to a plate of just complete gratitude and just, you know, utopia is what Max like to call it, right? Yeah. That's what that's what we try to get to, more so than power. We try to get to, instead of power couple, we want to be a couple in utopia. Mm. All right, all right. Thank, come on through with the utopia. <laughs> Since I know you want, you wanted to ask a question about social media specifically. Oh, I just wanted to ask. I've seen you increase your social media presence, and that Max has gotten in on a little bit of it. How have you managed to get him involved in some of your social media? Uh, Funness. I love when you licked his face the other day, by the way. I just want to say that. <laughs> you know, he's not big on that type of social media entertainment. So I kind of, with that one, it was just like, come on, just do this. And we were by the pool at the house. So we were feeling good, you know. And I know that's my time to, you know, get that, do whatever I ask him to do or whatever. So I'm like, let's just do this cute little video. He's like, what? I'm like, you just have to sit there. That's all. So then somebody started playing. And he was like, really? <laughs> but you know he's he's one of those you like it i love it you know even though sometimes i may not want to participate because that's not my personality um but just do your thing you know and what made you start wanting to increase in your social media is just from a fun place or, or yeah it's it really came from just fun just i'm in a place in my life where i'm truly happy inside and out and when you feel that way, you just want it to project, you know, you, and we're in, because we're in this social media, um, you know, era, um, that's one of the best ways to project your inner workings and how you feeling. And, and, and it makes me feel good. I really, I like it. It's just fun. You know, I've always liked being kind of like the entertaining type friend mm -hmm. because, you know, I've always been very transparent and real and, fun yeah. and so i i like i look for fun content because that reflects mm -hmm. who i am so when i do it honestly it doesn't take me long because it's fun yeah so you know someone asks me how many takes you do that over and over if something's a struggle and it takes me a long time i can't do it because the mm -hmm. way my life is set up i can't spend too much time on anything that is like social or outside of what i need to do mm -hmm. so the stuff for me is you know, I'm limited as far as time-wise. So it, it never takes me long. I'll see you something, maybe takes a few minutes, get a few little takes, and I'm like, all right, that's good. Because I also don't put too much into it. I don't mm -hmm. look for perfection in it. I just look for the fun in it, you know. And if something becomes too much, too arduous or too much of a task, then that's defeating the reason why I'm doing it for a release. You know, some people mm -hmm. like going to the gym. Some people like doing yoga. I like doing content. Okay. Hey, we all got our little dopamine boost somewhere, right? Somewhere. So. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, let's talk about making it work, family and career. So um, obviously you all went through schooling, had to um, medical school, chiropractic school. I mean, there were some things that was going on and, mm -hmm. you know, maintaining your relationship during that time and, then getting married, having kids and family and all that stuff. How are y'all making it work? Well, I mean, I, I think it's just the work is it's a work in progress. You know, um, I think I, I definitely feel like when we, when we didn't have kids, it was way easier. <laughs> Clearly. Know, I think uh, we're both goal oriented and driven people. So when we were the first few years of our relationship, uh, we were long distance and, um, you know, more than just uh, a lover, she was my friend. So, um, because we were kind of in similar paths in healthcare, um, I called my friend just to, you know, talk about you know what am I what am I been going through in school, and she did the same. So mm -hmm. we were just great friends that happened to be in love with each other. So mm -hmm. that helped our uh, relationship last when we were long distance, and I think um, when we. When we be, uh, started living together, um, you know, of course, that's when you find out what the real is, when the real everyday issues come about. 
Um, but even then, when it was just us, it was to me it was easy. Like mm -hmm. I, we both were working, and you know we we like dedicated ourselves to our professions. But when it was free time, we just had fun together, mm -hmm. right? So again, like we were friends, and we liked the same thing. We were both we, foodies. Yeah, yeah, we're foodies. So we, we liked were. The party. Yeah, when we first yeah. lived together, we moved to Detroit. That's where his residency was. So. Uh, long distance. I was in chiropractic school in Atlanta. He was in medical school at Howard. So that was, you know, what about six years of long distance, six or seven years of long distance before we got married. Then when he matched uh, for his anesthesia residency in Detroit, that's when we was like, okay, let's kind of start consolidating our lives and bringing it together. Because uh, we got engaged when I graduated from chiropractic school. And so when we, uh, when he, by the time he matched, and we were going to Detroit, we had been engaged for like a year, are we? And we were like, okay, let's try to, you know, see how all of this works together. But I really feel like the reason why we were able to work from undergrad and then grad school, long distance and all of that up into marriage was the long distance. I think that built a good framework for us. We were able to like get to know each other in a way that we probably wouldn't have um, had we been in the same city and town, because, you know, when you're with somebody, you know, you sit down and you watch TV together, you, but that's not a lot of talking. That's not mm -hmm. very in depth. Or if you're in the same city, you're on the phone, but it's not super deep because you know you're about to see them. Mm -hmm. um, and then once you're in person, especially being there for some years, you're not trying to dive deep and talk about anything. But when you're in long distance, that's the only way to be connected to that person so you're looking for topics. You're looking for things to talk about. So then think about six, seven years of that. Then you're like, you know this person through and through. Mm -hmm. You know, I feel like this person knows me more than I know myself because we've had these long, drawn-out conversations on the phone, you know, because we couldn't see each other. Mm -hmm. So I think that's part of the reason why we were able to last so consistently throughout all of that, that whole time period was the long distance it actually helped us but then but then comes the marriage right and i yeah. think the, the biggest thing with, with marriage is you know and, and people say it all the time you know they'd be like oh like you gotta trust in god and you know call me when it gets hard like i i think that you know uh, particularly in, in in today's times that people put an air on what marriage is supposed to be like marriage is just a, to me it's a microcosm of life it's not supposed to be it's not it's never gonna be a straight line like there's always twists turns and curves and your ability to um, communicate effectively and your ability to uh, try to put yourself in the other person's shoes um, and instead of like putting yourself first um, is, 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 is extremely important. And I think those are the type of marriages that last and, and, and it's not supposed to be roses all the time, you know? And, and I think the addition of children more than, more than anything, mm -hmm. it, like it'll test you it'll, it'll test you like <laughs> mm -hmm. you know because like you should you're trying to put not only like you know your, your partner first and, and 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 make sure that their feelings are in a safe space but your children too right like you want your children to be whole and, and, and full and, and and happy um and and you want to give them some challenges right and make them understand like oh okay you don't you can't get everything you want but at mm -hmm. the same time you, you don't want them harboring you want to give them the, the most resources and the most access to everything so they can just flourish when they become adults. And I think those are the things, those everyday inner, inner everyday struggles um, are what are what fortifies when you have a marriage with a career and children, you know. Mm -hmm. um, so it's it, it's not easy. It's not perfect. But I think when two people actually can see the bigger picture on the same page uh, and be on, they can be they can be on the same page. Right. Mm -hmm. Because even us like we don't. In a moment, we may not necessarily agree on everything, right? Mm -hmm. But our, our ability to um, try to find ways to communicate effectively, um, uh, I think, have what are, is what helped fortify our marriage up until this point. Mm -hmm. All right, now, well, listen, y'all are tuned in live now to Hey Sister. Y'all got all this free marital advice and counseling <laughs> up in here. Sister, tell them about, like, girl, this is this is this worth the, this worth the price of admission, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm going to toss it to you. We were going to ask about, well, what are some of those crucial conversations you had to have? So I'm going to toss it to you, sister, to ask that. 
Well, you already asked. <laughs> I was going to ask a sort of a separate question. Before okay, well, we let me ask you a separate. Let me let you ask Thank that. You. Uh -huh. So you all talk about how life, of course, changes once you have children. So how does it change from one to two to then three? And like, is it incremental changes or does it by the time you got three, you like, I mean, I got this now. You know, how does that happen for or how did yeah. it happen for you all? Well, I, I will tell you, I think for us, it changed from one to two to three. Like, mm -hmm. So, number one, I think when we had our first one, we were so excited that we were having our first child. She was a child, of course. They're all children of love, but like... But we, she was a rainbow was baby. She was, rainbow yeah. baby because I had lost the first one yeah. in like 22 weeks. It wasn't early and there was no rhyme or reason. So it was hard to prepare for her not knowing why. I was healthy. The baby was healthy. It was just, okay, incompetent cervix, which is some blanketed diagnosis when they don't know why the baby just went into early uh, delivery. Mm -hmm. And so that was just so scary uh, for her, wanting her to come into this world whole, healthy, safe, whatever. And so when she came, oh my God, we were through the roof. I was willing to sacrifice. Even, I didn't even, I don't even have any bad feelings of, you know how when people talk about your first baby and the sleepless nights and that was all a blur because i was happy to have it i was just happy to have that i wanted to sleep this night i just wanted to be there to have it and so for her she was just like our backpack kid i mean she had her first passport at like three months so for us we were determined because we we were not only foodies we love to travel like we love to travel so we were like we just gonna take her with us i mean she had been to turks and Caicos. like she went everywhere with us she was and, like an accessory yeah <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, people had tribe with accessories. Like, we didn't have an accessory dog. We just had the accessory baby. Baby. And she was so used to it that, like, every time we went on flights when we get off, oh, people were like, it was a baby in there? We never knew. We got that constantly because she just knew how to travel. Mm -hmm. And then um, when the second baby came, it was, okay, this is different. And her personality, she was just... <laughs> she, no, no, well, no, she was a baby. Nah, she wasn't a bad baby, but it was just different. Baby. It was different because we didn't travel a lot when... No, yeah, that, that shut down. So I think with, with Gabrielle, the, the first one, she was, you had four hands, right? And so even when she was tired, she would pass her off to me. When I was tired, I would pass her off to her. But we had four hands on her. So then when Vivian came, they were like, okay, we had two hands per child, mm -hmm. right? So um, the level of responsibility and- And when um, he's working, he's, he became yeah. partner. He's working all these crazy hours at yeah. the hospital. Then that's more- on me at the time yeah and then you know the boy can one hand for each kid he's like yeah. hold up player wait a minute this juggling now hands are gone you feel totally overwhelmed mm -hmm. and overpowered by the kids and whatever your career you come home you're tired and you have these two small ones to that they just getting started they just getting out of daycare and they ready like <laughs> they all over the place and you're just like Oh my God, what did I do? I just want to lay down. <laughs> I just want to have me time. There was no such thing. I mean, I went through a period of time. I didn't even know what me time was. Like, it's a blur now, but it was just like, it was like a sacrificial stage for real because I was in it to like really be present, be there. You know, it, it just was a lot. And then by the time Kingston came, it now he was a game changer as far as help goes because. When you're trying to get help for one, that's easy. Two, yeah, but it's still doable. But when you get that third, deuces. Everybody like, you know what? <laughs> when they get older, I, I might be able to take them all by myself. But, you know, nah, not an infant. Because Vivian was six months when I found out I was pregnant with Kingston. I almost passed out. Because <laughs> all my children, all my pregnancies had been planned up until that point. Kingston wasn't planned. And it wasn't that we just didn't. We didn't rule out that we wanted a third child. We didn't rule it in either. Mm -hmm. It was just like, all right, well, let's see where this goes because our life had changed so much. And then so when I found out I was pregnant uh, with Kingston, Vivian was six months. I was like, I couldn't even see it. I was like, wait, she's still breastfeeding. She's on my hip. Like, what? what is going on? And then when he came, you know, I had an infant. I had a one-and-a-half-year-old. And then I had a three-year-old, you know, R4. And it was just like shut it down for a few years that i mean that's just really what it came down to and uh and it, it changed and it made and that was like a real stressful period mm -hmm. because then also max has some projects where he's writing a book and you know you know i'm changing jobs i'm trying to figure out 
would that suit me as a mom of three in my profession? What does that look like? You know, uh, I, I'm figuring out I cannot work till six anymore, you know, nine to six, nine to five. Like I had to try to get in that stage. And when you're not working for yourself and you're in private practice, you can't just dictate hours like that. Yeah, I want to work from eight to one, eight to two. That doesn't work like that. So really trying to navigate that, and figuring out getting help and actually following through with that and getting the help, it made a huge difference, but it, it you know, it created some challenges for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Oh, y'all telling it, y'all telling all the real stuff, the real, <laughs> real. I love it. I love it. I love it. So then that means y'all had to have some crucial conversations. We did. We did. So like, tell us about some of those. So I, I, I shared in the pre prep and, um, my sisters heard myself and Jeffrey say this all the time. The best advice we got, Pastor B.W. McClendon said, you handle your family, you handle your family. So that make a lot of crucial conversations real easy. Like, okay, I know they crazy. Let me go head on over here and do this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What type of crucial conversations did you have to have? Even like, Because I, I can only imagine, like, dang, you, you, you gone all this time and I'm here with these children by myself? Yeah. Bruh. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> actually, it went in phases. I have two sets of conversations that were important to me. When we first got married, uh, his mother told us, um, it's actually, because I was complaining, I had just had, no, this was right after Gabby uh, was born. And I, we were still in Detroit. And we, we were transplants. So it was still just us and the baby. And I was just kind of like complaining that another, my, my mother, my mother-in-law, none of our family was in town. So it was just us and it was just the baby and da 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 da. And my mother in law was like, Look, the best place to be is when it's just you guys, especially at the beginning of a marriage, because you don't have outside forces putting any undue uh, influence on your marriage. And it's, it, that made a lot of sense to me because I felt like in the beginning stages, had I been at home or had we had been in his home, it would have been a lot of, my our opinion on what y'all should do with y'all life, what y'all should do with your marriage, what y'all should do with your kids, when you should start to try. And so really it was a good isolation for us to be in a different city at the beginning of our marriage because we were able to just focus on us without any undue influence, which was a good thing, you know. And now that I look at them like, heck yeah, it's a good mm-hmm. thing. Because now I move home and it's a little bit different, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Um, but it's so that was a good conversation and a tidbit of information. And it's, it's like, look, it's good to be a transplant. Enjoy that. And that way you can work on your family. Mm-hmm. And by the time you're around other people, if you ever, you know who your family is. You know your goal. You know your structure. So you're not going to really waver from that. Mm-hmm. And that was, you know, pretty good um, advice. Any tidbit, crucial conversations? I mean, I, I think we, st- I mean, we have crucial conversations all the time. Like, mm-hmm. you know, one of, one of the things is like, you know, um, since we're on this platform, um, I think it, it's, it's, it's very good to have just like mental health checkups and mm-hmm. whether it's for your, for your personal, um, peace of mind. Mm-hmm. But, um, I mean, we, we have a therapist mm-hmm. that, you know, whenever like there's something that needs to be discussed or we have a conflict, oh, we can't see eye to eye. we can't resolve it yeah. through conversation. Or, you know, or, you know, we get into, we may get into these things where people start, we start going off on tangents, trying to prove points. Um, we, we both say, okay, it's time to see our therapist. And we go see our therapist and he helps us, you know, work through navigate. our issues, navigate through our issues. Um, mm-hmm. So again, so, and it's not about one person being right or wrong. Again, a lot of times it's just that, um, it's just like in, in any other thing, when you have a disagreement, um, sometimes disagree may not even be that deep or there could be just a deeper underlying issue mm, yeah. where it just hasn't been communicated effectively and so um that's how we we it's helped us you know fortify our marriage you know and, and it's like you know it's it's worth you know i'm a, I'm a type of person where I, I just feel like you know when you love someone um and, and you love them deeply i mean i mean they're worth holding on to you know and and, and, and fighting for especially like the structure of, you know, a black family. I'm a person who, like, just believes in family structure, period, you know, and I feel like family structure will help our communities thrive. And so um, because I'm a person, I try to live my values, 
that I'm going to give every inch in order to ensure that, you know, everything that surrounds my inner circle, which is my family and my closest friends, that we're, we're out here, you know, living our best life and, and doing the best that we can. And, you know, we want to try to minimize mental health as, as, as much as possible. We want to make sure that we're thinking clearly to, to reach our goals, whatever those are. Mm-hmm. And then also is that mental health also also for your our careers, you know, being a minority in healthcare in our professions, that's that's a stressor all in itself, you know. So and you can also bring that home. So you know, it, it's like a full circle, a spectrum as far as why you know making sure you account for mental health and taking those measures to make sure you're healthy and whole is vital, you know, for your partnership. Absolutely. All right. Well, then, how y'all keeping it grown and sexy? What's 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 the, what's the secret sauce to keeping it grown and sexy? But, Having oh, her so lick you on the face on social media is I'm that it? Saying, look, <laughs> I mean, it's the sexy. Is, I mean, I think it's just a mindset of how you feel about yourself. You know. All right now. If you are, you know, if if you are in a space where you know you you eating right and and, and you living right, you getting enough sun. And you keeping the haters off you, you know. I mean, hey, look, your skin gonna glow, you know. Uh, <laughs> uh, but you know, if you if you're consuming your foolishness, and you know, you got a lot of negativity around you, um, it, it affects you in different ways. And so, I think with us, the way we keep it growing. I mean, again, I like to I I, I like to work hard, but when I like to have fun, I like he to let loose. I, I let loose, uh, yeah. especially with like my close friend. Yeah. So. Um, yeah. you know, when, when it's time to us for like to us to, to step out and have a good time, I'm going to have a good time. My second is going to be lit every time. Yeah. <laughs> you pull out all the stops. So, and so, then for us, when we yeah. do that, it makes us feel young again. It makes us yeah. feel connected. It makes us feel sexy together. You know, it's just fun. It's just, you know, keeping that element in there is what keeps the romantic side going, you know, and, you know, it's, when you when I thought when I was younger and I thought of people our age, I didn't imagine what we are now. Mm-hmm. Because to me, I'm the, we're the same as when we were in our twenties. When I say our mindset, our, now we're evolving in certain ways, but physically, I feel like we're the same. You know, we do some of the same things physically, uh, and it's oh your knees bounce back when you're dropping like a hat. You know, some of us don't have that bounce that, back like that. You know what I'm saying? But yeah, <laughs> I got a few years ahead of you, though. I, I'm yeah, almost a decade yeah. ahead. <laughs> yeah. I don't get, you know, sometimes like, whoo, yeah, I, I feel that with my back. <laughs> 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 Come fix my back. But you know, for overall, though, we we try to keep it spicy as well. And you know, there's never really long periods of time where we're not being romantic with each other. And there's also like the thing that we also realize, like, we're, like, like. And you said before we're very fortunate so you know we, we have the ability to like one thing we, we both like to travel so um we just we just have careers where that that's even possible to do that so you know we travel at least you know at least twice a year which for a family of five is pretty good um i would say and then but, we have personal trips and then we kind of scattered throughout yeah, throughout so yeah so i mean that that is you know when, when you're kid free um that kind of like you know gives you that extra bounce you know that mm-hmm. you're not necessarily yeah. worried so um yeah. we're very, we're every we try to sneak those trips that. in even if it's for a weekend yeah. you know even if it's for a continuing education conference like max just had continuing education in palm springs and i'm like i'm coming he's like all right and it was great you know what i'm saying and and i appreciate that time and it, it's always much needed and it helps us connect and keep it grown and sexy for sure okay all right sister you have another question I have a question, but I had some comments. I was going to say, um, you know, when we had Clinton, and Deanna Lewis on here, they have this 90 day rule. They they are franchisees and they are in business together, but they had uh, this 90 day rule that after 90 days, they have to go away together um, in order mm-hmm. to sort of keep keep things in proper perspective and order. Um, I, I was. Uh, huh? I said, I agree with that. Yeah, for sure. Because we that's about the time period when we start itching to go somewhere together. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. And then I was gonna uh, also say it was also probably good you weren't at home when you had a first your first baby. Talking about you had her 
in the past with a passport at three months because you know you ain't supposed to take a child outside apparently if you grew up in Louisiana. <laughs> right. You go outside for right. like the first year or something. Right. <laughs> so baby in the house because the baby open. What is that? Yeah, what? Your pores are open. Your pores are open, girl. This is open. <laughs> exactly. So do you all have a like a scheduled date night though as well? And and also do you have you said you are have you have counseling together? Do you do separate counseling? Um with the first question, yes, we do date night. We try to do it at least one to two Fridays a month. Okay. Um some Fridays he's on call, so that's why it's a particular number. Um but the the Fridays that he's not on call for the most part. Cause we, we, we have a sitter that comes regularly a nanny or whatever. And so we always know she's going to be here, uh, during those hours. So we automatically know like, as long as he's not on call, we're going to go on a date night. And those are great because once again, we're foodies. So we connect over food and drinks and we talk about our week and, you know, for us, date night is part of our culture yeah mm -hmm. self care our couple care what do you call that yeah couple yeah care. i like that couple care mm -hmm. yeah our couple care is just it has to happen because you know dinners with your children is not the same right. like you're not you know <laughs> we barely pass two words in each other when we're eating with our kids because they're constantly yibbering yabbering you're constantly correcting sit down put your part eat with your hand don't eat with your hand get your not you know so it's not, it's like you can't even have a adult conversation during those times. So it's refreshing mm -hmm. to have an adult conversation with your mate beyond the craziness of the household. So those the date nights um, are essential. And what was the second question? Therapy. Oh, and counseling separate and yes, yes, we do, we do both. But it's by the same person. And mm -hmm. so sometimes, like especially we when we don't have an issue that needs conflict resolution. Sometimes when I, on a personal front, if there's something, I'll I'll go into therapy myself and try mm -hmm. to work that out because you know when I'm happy and whole, you know that whole thing, the whole household is, and I just you know I need to make sure I'm there. Or you know when they say you pour from an empty cup, you can't pour from an empty cup. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um. So um. Yeah. I, I think all of that is essential. Would you? Okay. Yeah. So then tell us about how you're going to make it last forever. The next decade, 40 and 41, y'all in that juicy time. The fourth <laughs> decade is that, that that still dipping and doing time. So what is your outlook for the next decade? Well, I, I just, I, I listen, like, I, I just, I, from the time I was young, like, I always had this vision for my life. And so when, when I was 20, I visualized how my life was going to be at 30. And when I was 30, I visualize how my life was going to be at 40. So I've already like set the, like I'm looking forward to the next decade as we go into our fifties. Like I just look forward for like, what are our kids that, that are kind of going to start reaching that early adulthood. And I just want to see how, you know, they, they're going to flourish during that time frame. And I just, um, my, my prayer is that, you know, we, we put them in positions to where like, there just is no limit so like you know we we, we had dreams and you know mm -hmm. we, we you know we, we've reached some dreams right but I, I feel like your dreams are only limited by what you can see and mm -hmm. so I hope for our children like with as much access to whatever it is that they they need or what they have right now that by the time they reach early adulthood they realize like that nobody can put any limitation on them and what they can do so that's the part that I look forward to Okay. All right. So, um, so Max, um, Angie alluded to it earlier that you wrote a book and you wrote a book with your, um, with some of your friends, um, other Xavier writes, um, the pulse of perseverance. I'm going to drop the, the scroller there. So you all can go to the website. Tell us about, um, the book, um, okay. why you all wrote it and, 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 and what are you, what, what is your vision for kind of really ex keeping it going and growing? Well, so um, what you're referencing to is, yes, it is a book. It's called uh, Pulse of Perseverance, Three Black Doctors on a Journey to Success. And what it really talks about is, you know, um, two of my best friends. Uh, one is Dr. Peter Johnson. He's located, he's an OBGYN in Chicago. My other best friend, his name is Joseph Semyon. He's in Lake Charles, Louisiana right now. And what it talked about is it talks about um, 
everywhere where even when you have a driven child, if they come from marginalized environments, how things can go left at any point. Mm -hmm. And uh, for a lot of us, you know, for for a lot of uh, particularly like black minor, minority individuals, um, you know, a lot of times our boys are going through so many things, right? It's, it, it, it's our children in general, but particularly mm -hmm. like black male youth, um, you know, they go through they go through a range of emotions. And we talk about some of the, the mishaps and the missteps on the way, even when you're driven. And so the book is raw, it's uncut, it's authentic. And the origin of the book basically came from this. When we when we came from, you know, I'm, I'm originally from Brooklyn, was raised in DC, but we all were raised in like the period where the element is called the crack era. And so um, <clears throat> when we when we got to Xavier, um, we, we will be considered, we came from areas where we consider the smart kids and from wherever we came from, right? But we get to the school where you realize like, uh, we weren't necessarily the most prepared. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and um, so when we met each other, we were like, we were basically all depressed um, because, you know, it's like, you know, people talk about like, what, what happens to a dream that's deferred, right? So, you know, we, we were all in this phase where it was just like, uh, would we eventually become doctors? Uh, were we smart enough? Were we good enough? All those things, all those, things that run through your mind. And what we had is we found each other during that period of depression and we just made a, a bond to each other that, you know, um, we're not going to leave any man behind. And so we carry that mantra all the way through um, board certifications. And so the thing about it was that once we've reached our, our well, you know, well, for most people be like, oh, your pinnacle of success, right? Um, we didn't want to rest on our laurels. Like we, we felt that, you know, especially during that time when, you know, you saw so many things about, you know, what the media was putting out there about, you know, um, black men and how, you know, kids were being brutalized and shot in the street. And, you know, we felt like it's it, that that narrative is always written about, you know, black youth. Right. So we, we thought that it was extremely important to just tell our own story from a perspective where the world may not necessarily know. Right. Mm -hmm. And so the other perspective was to say, okay, we made it. I have my blueprint, right? Pierre has a blueprint. Joe has a blueprint. So if we combine these blueprints for, you know, the parents, grandparents, aunts, uncles, whoever the village is around that's surrounding these children, uh, you know, it'll give them more insight when you have a child that's from a marginalized environment but wants more than whatever they see in their immediate, in, in, in their immediate surroundings. So the book gives a lot of, like, uh, gems about, you know, potential pitfalls about um, what they might find as you try to help this child, right? Mm -hmm. so, you know, and if you know what's coming ahead, again, you're more prepared, you know, to help them get through those hurdles or those setbacks. Mm -hmm. um, so that's what the book came, right? And so from the from the authenticity of the, uh, authenticity of the book, what ended up happening was, is um, people picked it up on social media and it got its own buzz on social media. So then it hit certain platforms and it was like a, a avalanche. Mm -hmm. And before you know it, we were sitting on like major news platforms mm -hmm. talking about our experience. And so um, instead of, again, using the book, you know, just as a blueprint for success, what we wanted to do was create resources. So every month, you know, cause we think it's extremely important that, you know, black men are seen in, in, in positions of philanthropy and giving it. Um, every month we give monthly scholarships to children who are from, you know, underprivileged environments, but who also have the pulse of perseverance. And what's the pulse of perseverance? The pulse of perseverance is just an ideal that, A, you're not going to let your circumstances define your future. You know, you're not going to let, you know, things that happen to you affect your outcome. And you're not going to accept failure as an outcome. So every month we highlight young black children who are doing great things and amazing things in their community on our platform and also give them a thousand dollar scholarship to continue um, on their educational path. And All right. A couple of other things coming down the pipeline, but I'll say that for later. Well, I, I mean, I'm sure someone has optioned the book to make a movie or a series or something. Come on. Come on with yeah. it. Yeah. No, well, well, you know, I mean, you know, I mean, where we are. Again, because we want to control our own narrative. Absolutely. Uh, we're, we're very protective of the book because the book was, you know, we, 
the book was published. I mean, it's distributed through Amazon, but it's all of us. We didn't have a ghostwriter. Right. You know, there, there's, there was nobody like, you know, you know telling our story. And we want, we're very selective about that. So we want to protect that by, by any means, you know. Yeah, so, absolutely. Uh, well, my sister, you, you t telling your story is, uh, is your jam. That's your, that's yeah. your ministry yeah. right there. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Well, we all should. So thank you all for telling yours. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So we're still impacting kids, you know, um, every day and, mentoring. And, and mentoring every month. I have, you know, dozens and dozens of mentees. You know, we've already impacted over 50 kids with scholarships. So we're really proud of that. Um, and, you know, now it's just about taking, you know, the, the, the ideal to a whole nother level when it comes to mentorship, because we know uh, we're all products of strong mentorship and we know how important that is and how that can impact lives. And, you know, so, Exposure. you know, so, yeah. so definitely want to, you know, ex expand the ground. And it's, you know, we, people always ask us, well, you know, focus on kids being doctors. No, we just want kids to be successful and whatever it is they choose. And we want them to know all of the options that they have at an earlier age, you know, because mm -hmm. again, you can only see what, what you're exposed to. So we want to just open up their minds to like, let them know that there there's a plethora of things out there, you know, that, that they can be and they can achieve and they can accomplish. Uh, but again, they have to have the exposure and the mentorship in order to get there. Absolutely. Well, if you're an educator out there, if you um, know a kid that has the pulse of perseverance, go to the website. I dropped it in the comments as well. Apply for a monthly scholarship. Maybe they'll be featured. Hey, you might have to apply more than one time, but that that definitely shows your perseverance, right? So I absolutely, I absolutely love that. Well, we're gonna do a little rapid fire. Oh, yeah, see somebody else said, love that. Yeah, that was our uh, our guest last week, Amanda's tuning in. Thanks for tuning in tonight. Well, um, thank you all so much for being with us tonight. I do have a couple little things to kind of, you know, normally we ask people for one um, comment before we go, but I do have some little rapid fire questions for you. You know, I see that's that Mardi Gras cup you sipping out of. So. Oh, yeah, yeah, it's water. <laughs> <laughs> sweet or salty? Y'all are foodies, so sweet or salty? I like both. Yeah. I'm sweet. Okay. Vodka or bourbon? I'm vodka. I'm kind of going towards bourbon now. Recently, though. Yeah. Okay, okay. Night out or night in? Night out. out. Okay. <laughs> All right. Beach or mountains? Beach. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love it. Anything you want to leave the folks with in closing? No, I just, you know, keep on keeping on. I know everything is rapidly changing in America right now with inflation and with, I mean, it blows my mind every time I go outside of something different, whether it's gas, grocery prices, you know, just be encouraged, you know, continue to work, walk in your path, do what you need to do to preserve your mental health, um, you know, Love on yourself, love on your family, love on your loved ones, and, um, you know, take care of your health. Yeah. Love yours. Yeah. I would just say love yours. You know, it's just like, um, you know, uh, instead of focusing on, you know, what you don't have, focus on what you do have and, and appreciate that, you know, because, um, you know, we live in a world where there, you know, um, there are tons of people out there outside of even this, this country, yeah. um, let alone this country, that, that have not for anything. And mm -hmm. so... Um, we try to stay in a space of just gratitude for whatever we do have um, by, you know, continuously giving and trying to be the best human beings we could possibly be. And I think, like, the whole, the, like, the Bible verse is true. Like, you know, is the more you give, the more God blesses, fills your cup and blesses you in abundance. So um, we try to stay in that space. Yeah. All right. All right, sister, what do you want to say in closing? That was beautiful. That was beautiful. And in, in closing, I would say in gratitude, thank you both for being on the show. Um, this was really great. The time went by very fast, but um, I loved hearing everything, even even the different remembrances about how you all <laughs> met each other. Um, and then, you know, to taking nothing away from you, Max, but I got to focus on Angie for just a second. Um, we always say that we've known her since she was a, a very little girl. And mm -hmm. so it, it really does bring my heart joy to see you grow and blossom and be a utop reaching utopia couple. Yeah. Because you've done um, you know, amazing job with your your family and uh and it 
I it warms my heart. So I'm just so proud of you. So thank you. So much. <laughs> well, it means so much coming from you. Both of you guys are my sisters, my big sisters. And growing up, I always looked up to you guys. You guys were always like shining stars in our city. So, I mean, I never had a doubt that you guys would be amazing because you guys were always different and classy and just, you know, something different, different in a good way, um, not conforming. And just, you know, I look, I've always looked up to you guys. I continue to look up to you guys. Keep doing amazing things. Thank you for inviting us on your platform. You know, I love every time I see you at homecoming. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I can call you Kitty on your Demetrius. You can call me Kitty. You call me what you, yeah, you yeah. call me whatever you want to call um, me. <laughs> but, you know, I, I look forward to it. And I look forward to, like, when I see some of my fellow alumni friends calling you Big Sis. I'm like, she got Big Sisters too. Okay, that was the first. So, um, <laughs> a little bit of possession there. Like, that's not true, Big Sis. But um, you like, I go way, way back. Y'all go yeah. back this much. I go way, way. <laughs> exactly. And then, uh, you know, you know, with all you're doing with your producing and your work, and I cannot wait you know, to support Tibbetoville and everything that you have going on with that. I just, it's just, it's a, I'm full. It's, it's awesome. It's a full circle moment for sure. Absolutely. Well, with that, we're going to sign off tonight, y'all. Thank yeah. you so much for being us. Thank you for everybody watching. If you guys will hold the line as we wave bye to everybody. Have a good night. Bye. bye.